to my monthly podcast titled Becoming a Sage. My name is Jan Freed, but you can call me Dr. Jan. I interview people about wisdom, how to find meaning on a daily basis, a concept I call breadcrumb legacy. I'm passionate about helping people get from where they are to where they want to be, particularly in the second half of life. I also say I'm out to retire the word retirement. We're not retiring from life but we're moving on to something else. And I believe it takes time and intentional thought to successfully move on to what's next in life. I interviewed Kay Scora. Kay is multi-talented in so many ways. Internationally, she creates, she writes, she performs, she coaches, she curates, and she's even, she even does stand-up comedy. Kay set up her company, Have More, Have More F Unlimited, in 1989, maybe she can explain the name of that title. I'll ask her about that. And with the encouragement and support of her client, she shifted the focus of her work towards helping people from different backgrounds and cultures to communicate more precisely and clearly. She's also a faculty member at Modern Elder Academy and LBC Wise Council, which is leadership development for legal pro professionals. Actually, I met Kay in July when I attended an MEA, Modern Elder Academy, for a workshop in Baja that she co-facilitated. We had several one-on-one -on -one conversations about leadership development, and I realized I needed to have Kay as a podcast guest because of her wisdom on a broad range of topics. For more information on Kay, please refer to the bio attached to this podcast. Now listen to our conversation. I'm excited to interview you, Kay, for my Becoming a Sage podcast. I am so delighted at your interpretation of my company name, Jan, <laughs> because it's Have More Fun Limited, but we intentionally capitalize the you because that running in of fun to limited creates unlimited as well. <laughs> One. And I just love the way you read it out. It was perfect. <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, now I see it. It's like one of those mystery games, you know? Can you see this? Okay, I get it. Okay, have more fun. Okay, I love it. Um, well, for my listeners, I want you to know that Kay travels the world. But she's in London right now while I'm interviewing her. And I love London. And my husband and I fantasize about, we fantasize, but I think it's going to come true in a few years, where we rent an Airbnb for a month in London. And we we base ourselves out of London. We, we take advantage of theater, but then do some day trips. We like trains and do some day trips. And I like flea markets, so I want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of London flea markets. One of my favorite pair of earrings came from a London flea market in Camden. I think it's called Camden or what, what Camden Lock. It would have yep. been Camden Lock, which is where the market is. Yep, yep. And I, they're gold earrings. They're old antique gold earrings. And um, I also have an, a, a necklace kind of, that I bought that's very old in uh, one of the London markets. So I'm I love the hunt and I will get there. Well, let's get on to questions here. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed Kay so much when I met her at MEA and um, I love a lot of things about her. So we'll get to that later. So we could talk about so many topics, Kay, we could talk forever. But let's talk about where 
you, you, I, I would call, I would describe you as small and mighty. Where do you get your courage, strength, and wisdom? <laughs> You're small and mighty. And let me just describe Kay. I was going to do this later with another question, but I'll describe you up front. She might weigh a hundred pounds wet, but I'm not sure. She is so petite that anything she would put on would look good on her. Uh, yet she runs every day and that, that could lead to another story. Uh, she actually got bit by a dog on while she was running on the beach, which I did put that in my feedback that they need to get those dogs under control because I actually, it, um, that happened early in the week and prevented me from walking the beach much. Mm. So I put that in my feedback. So if, if Chip or someone listens, um, hopefully, and I know they're trying, but that was really a, um, a deterrent from uh, my walking and taking advantage of that beautiful beach that we could see with every meal. So back to where, you know, where do you get your small and mighty? Where do you get your courage, strength, and wisdom, Kay? That is, I love this description, small and mighty, and I am stealing it and adopting it right now, Jan. It's, Good, you are small and mighty. I, I love it. I, I think the mighty comes from being small, to be honest. Okay. That I remember now that you asked me the question, when I was in primary school, what you would call elementary school, I was always the smallest in class and even later on in life, I was always the smallest. Because of that, I learned to stand up very straight physically. I always stood up very straight to try and make myself a little bit taller. And because of that standing up very straight, I developed confidence. And you know, because you've worked with me, that I'm a great believer in the way that the body educates the mind as much as the mind educates the body. So it was definitely the standing up very tall that gave me that confidence. But there was something else. My heritage is, I come from a family of the fiercest women you could possibly imagine. And my grandmother's very much brought me up because my parents were both working all the time. And my paternal grandmother in particular, quite a small woman, but my goodness, you did not want to cross that woman. <laughs> and I grew up in a time, this is so shocking, I'm 68 years old, it's so shocking that when I was a child, our buses in Sheffield, the north of England, where I grew up, were segregated. Mm. And black people could only sit upstairs on the bus. And Interesting. my, yeah. And my grandmother was a, a fierce campaigner for equality in all ways. And I remember one day we were sitting on the bus together and a black woman got on the bus carrying her shopping and went to go up the stairs to the top deck of the bus. And my grandmother very firmly and politely took her by the arm and sat her down next to her. And then my grandmother looked around the bus with that expression which just said, okay, so what are you gonna do about it? Mm -hmm. And we got involved in a lovely conversation with this woman. So. In answer to your question, the fierce comes from being small mm -hmm. and also from my heritage. Okay, uh, that's great. Now tell me where you get your courage and wisdom. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, the wisdom might come from 
you know, remember I mentioned, you know, you write, you create, you perform, you coach, you know, comedy, you know, weaving together all of these, what I would call, uh, I would put all of this under an umbrella of creativity and two of my favorite words, well, three, I guess, are my favorite words are creativity, uh, wisdom, and curiosity. And I think that all of these things are integrated. So, yeah, and, and then maybe describe how that leads you into, because you and I both coach leaders. So mm -hmm. leadership development is important to both of us. So maybe talk about that. That's a really another great question. Thank you. I as you know, my first career was as a scientist. So I went into, I studied biochemistry and then I worked for the Max Planck Institute for Biophysics. And from quite a young age, I was really quite angry about the separation of art and science. So I was told at the age of 16, I had to choose art mm -hmm. or science. And I always believed that these things were not separate, that one feeds the other and vice versa. And so all the time that I was at university studying biochemistry, I was also studying dance at the London Contemporary Dance School in my spare time. And I was lucky enough to have an amazing professor, Harold Baum um, at university, who absolutely supported me in that. And he told me when I was about 20 years old, he said, you're absolutely right. Without creativity, there is no scientific advancement. Without creativity, we have no ideas. Mm -hmm. And the other wonderful thing that science taught me was to let go of ideas. Because the great thing about science is you have an idea and you design um, an ex experiment to prove yourself right or wrong, and you're proved wrong. So you just go, yeah, goodbye to that idea. Let's move on to the next idea. So for me, science is creative and I've always been frustrated that the two are separate. Um, as for wisdom, uh, my wisdom, if I indeed do have it, and I'm still extremely foolish, as you know. You know <laughs> we all are, we all are, so. Especially after a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah, but you are very wise and I, you know, you were walking me through some exercises that I then used with my coaching client and it worked very effectively. So you are wise. Thank you. The wisdom I know, just like you're using my exercises, my wisdom is all stolen. Mm -hmm. It's all from listening to people, mm -hmm. noticing. Lovely Jeff down at Modern Elder Academy uh, once referred to me as the witch of noticing. Um, and I became, I like yeah, I became a very good noticer early on as well. And again, I think very insightful of you. This is because of my size. When you're a very small woman, you have to be a little bit careful out there on the street. Mm -hmm. And I became, yeah, very good at noticing what was going on around me. Very good at listening. And that is where most of the wisdom has come from. And I think there is also something wonderful about the word retirement. And I know we need to reframe it. But if we look at the, the origin of the word, the French, retirer, pull back, mm -hmm. it means pull back. Yeah. And I have so enjoyed pulling back since I gave up my full-time corporate career. The ability to just stand back and look at what's really going on. 
with no agenda, just absorb what's going on rather than as in the corporate world, we have to push through our ideas and push through our next project. There's an absolute joy in elderhood, which allows us to pull back and observe if we allow ourselves to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the downside to retirement is so many elders pull back to such an extent that they're not noticing anything. They're just in their tiny bubble. Mm-hmm. Whereas you and I and people like Pat are still engaged with the world. Yes. You know, that's very interesting. And I love that. Um, you know, I interviewed one woman. You probably haven't heard of her. Carol Orsborn. O-R-S-B-O-R-N. And her latest book, she's focused on the second half of life. And her latest book is called Something of the Old Soul. And she's, you know, the idea of kind of the advantage, the title isn't advantages, but she talks about what you're describing, you know, the joys. um, I mean, I could Google this, but the old soul is in the title. S-O-U-L. And then another person that I interviewed, you may or may not be familiar with his work, but I think you'd really like his newsletter, um, is Rob Walker. Don't know him. He wrote a book called The Art of Noticing. And I think that's the name of his newsletter also, The Art of Noticing, Rob Walker. And uh, he's just, his web, his newsletter is just full of resources. And um but he, you know, he'll talk about when you're walking down the sidewalk, what do you notice? And, you know, and, he, and he'll post different, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I think you would love it. I and, would. Yeah, he's very wise. So, well, that is great. Well, I mentioned that you're a small person, small frame, you can wear anything, everything looks good. I even value your soft tone of voice because I can tend to be too loud. I like how you present yourself. And you've said before that you find joy in living with less. Yes. Describe how this, you know, many of my listeners have probably read the book. Um, oh, gosh, Maria, you know, what's her name? Kondo. Oh, yes. Yes. Mary Kondo. Yeah. The Joy of. Uh, what's her book? The Joy of. It's all about cleaning, kind of, or the Absolutely. joy. The Joy of. What is it? I don't know. I just know her name, Marie Kondo. Yeah, yeah. Marie, Marie, Marie Kondo or the Kondo way of decluttering or something and then she came out with a book of um the joy of something at work you know the joy of work the joy of whatever anyway what to live what's the joy in living with less what does that mean to you how is it manifested how has it changed your life right uh there's a number of things about the joy of living with less um and it it's It links to wisdom as well. I've been lucky enough in my life to spend some time with people who've, I hope I'm allowed to say this on your podcast, who've had really shit lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They, I worked for a while with the kids, some of the kids at Teenage Cancer Trust. It's a charity which helps teenagers with cancer. Mm -hmm. And I got to know some of the kids who'd been through that. I did a project on inner city knife crime with some young people in the center of London. Uh, And also in various other incarnations, I worked in the women's prison a little bit in Dublin when I lived there. And I 
I think we, those of us who are somewhat privileged, go into these situations with a rather colonial attitude, which is, oh, I'll help these poor people. And I started out like that, but I soon changed because I realized that those people were helping me. Mm -hmm. Those people were helping me to appreciate what I have. They were teaching me about resilience and flexibility because they have had to flex through so many things in their lives. So the first thank you I have in The Joy of Living With Less is having met such a diverse group of people. And then um, I, I coined the, the expression, well, actually I didn't, I stole it because I was working on a project here in London with the University of Greenwich. And it was a cross-generational workshop to bring people together to talk about living with less. And one of my colleagues on that retitled it, The Joy of Living with, with Less, which completely changed the experience of the day. And it was such a joyful day. Now, go back. What was it initially called? It was called Living with Less. Living with Less. Okay. And then The Joy of Living with Less. Okay, got it. Yeah, because we, I think if we'd gone into it, calling it Living with Less, we might have been quite anxious and negative but because we went we put the joy word in there uh, thanks to our amazing camera woman actually it was her that came up with it uh, then it completely changed the day and at the same time as going into that I was dealing myself with downsizing um, I had sold my previous apartment and was buying a smaller one and I had some resistance to that mm -hmm. and having thought about you know the young people that I've spelt, spent time with and thinking about this day, I suddenly went, this is great. I am going to live with the bare minimum. And I felt so liberated. I felt as if a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. Yes, I do. I'm not really a minimalist. My husband would like me to be um, <laughs> because I like, I like special things that remind me of that make me happy, okay? Um, but I understand the whole idea of, it, it is liberating. I mean, like I'm seeing younger people now, I mean, we have a nice sized house, but I'm seeing younger people buy bigger houses. And I'm like, you know, I wouldn't even want that, <laughs> you know? Or I have a son who lives in New York City and, you know, space is precious and costly. And they know, they, you know, you learn to, to live with less and you learn to really look at other things as um you know not necessary so i i love that i think that's that's excellent well the word can i also add like, let me let me just add a thing that pat witty your, your interview with pat reminded me of this because pat talks about how he didn't want to be that old guy sitting alone outside the coffee shop mm -hmm. and i love being that old old lady sitting alone outside the coffee shop I actually love my own space and I'm you know I'm divorced I live alone mm -hmm. and that's another aspect to me of living with less is that I choose my relationships now very carefully mm -hmm. um, I called it recently I called it cleaning out my friend's closet mm -hmm. <laughs> I get I, it I intentionally spend time with people who give me joy and luckily I'm back in London which is the city that I love the most, and where so many of those people are based. So yes, I've cleaned out the friend's closet as well. So anyone listening to this who is a friend, I hope they know how privileged they are because they're still in the friend's closet. Well, I think that's wonderful. And 
Um, and there, you know, you and I know that there's a difference between being alone yes. and being lonely. And yes. loneliness is now, I mean, it was a, an epidemic before the pandemic and loneliness, lots of attention. I've done a lot of research recently on loneliness. And it is something that as we get older, our circle of friends shrinks. And so in the end, like you still have close friends and you still have those relationships that are important to you. Yeah. And in the end, I did all this research on happiness and meaningfulness. And in the end, it's all about relationships. So you don't need, it's not quantity. Exactly. It's really quality of good, healthy relationships. And that really helps us sustain and live a healthier life. So, um, so I think that's wonderful. Well, the wisdom you co-facilitated at MEA uh, that I participated in had a focus on change and getting out of our comfort zones, especially as we get older. Um, share how you do this and why you think it's important. Right. Um... We spent love a lot of time on movement, you know, yes. which I thought was interesting. So go ahead. Yeah. So I, I love the expression, as we rise to the top, learning stops. And I've observed this in so many of the leaders that I've worked with. And I, because of them, I noticed that I had done it myself. So in my corporate career, before I set up my own business, I, it's, it's the nature of the game. As I rose to the top, People wanted me for very specific, narrow skills that I had. And it was one of the reasons I had to leave was I didn't want to be just that version of myself. So I worked on myself, broadening my palette, my movement palette, my thinking palette. And you know me, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd and I liked to dive into the academic research on this, that if our movement habits become narrower, our thinking habits become narrower as well. So what I try to encourage people to do is move differently. And even as we get older, we can still move differently. It doesn't mean we have to fly on a trapeze or do headstands, but we can do tiny, we can make tiny changes to our movement palette, which in the first instance, make us focus. Because if you're listening to this now, if you fold your arms, and now fold them the other way, you have to think about folding them the other way. So That's it's it's like a tiny, tiny meditation. And it also helps us to think differently. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what I'm trying to get other people to do as well. Yeah, well, give, share some, I mean, again, we had a week long workshop on movement and, and we don't have to necessarily focus on movement, but what would be some other things that you could share with my listeners um, to, to really get out of like out of our comfort zones? Right. That would be um, healthy and helpful. Yes. Such a good question. Uh, very simple things like where do you sit in your house? Where do you sit at dinner with your partner? Well, what about changing it? about sitting somewhere else the, another thing peripheral vision that we all tend to walk down the street looking ahead and particularly since we've had this very screen-based life mm -hmm. we tend to be looking directly ahead well what if you walk down the street being aware of what's going on at the sides of you not only what's going on directly in front of you 
uh, what about, um, now this is really quite challenging, when someone annoys you, what if you gently let them know instead of bottling it up? And I, I can't remember if we did this exercise with you, but I do this exercise with people where I encourage them to say what they see. So, oh, I see you just hopped in front of me in the line in the supermarket. Uh, I th think it's my turn next. And I feel a little bit, I don't know, bullied here. So do you have the courage to actually say what you see? And it can be confrontational, of course, we have to be careful. Mm -hmm. But I do encourage people to say what they see. And by the way, the great advantage to being an old lady is you can get away with that. People are not going to attack you. <laughs> well, first of all, you, uh, you look great. But secondly, I mean, I think instead of you can get away with it, I think what we really, we do have more freedom. We have more courage, I think, in yes. really saying what we what we see. And I think I think that is a great exercise. Um, you know, we did several things with communicating and listening. Can you share, like, I, I can remember what you said, but I'd like to hear from you in terms of a listening or, you know, what, in order to communicate effectively, what's a good listening tool or in, in order to listen effectively? Right. Yeah. So you, um, I think you're probably referring to our three levels of uh -huh. I am. exercise. Yes. 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 Where I get people to listen, to really, really listen to the words and phrases that the other people are using. Because especially those of you out there who are quite clever, every conversation is sparking ideas in your head. And that in turn is sparking this internal dialogue which is great, but it's stopping us from really listening. Mm -hmm. So what I encourage people to do is listen to the words and phrases that the other person is using. And you know what, if you continue to do that, if you practice doing that, you'll find that you can have ideas at the same time as listening. It's not an either or. Okay. So listen properly and have your own ideas. And then a great way of, of building relationship with the other is to play back to them some of the things you heard them say and this not only helps you to build a bridge with them but it also helps them to notice what they're saying so people who are used to being listened to speak so much more confidently and clearly than people who are not listened to and i'm afraid i'm sorry to have to say this but many of the women leaders that i work with speak far too quickly and too repetitively, and it's not their fault. They are so used to not being listened to. Mm -hmm. They are afraid to pause for breath. Yeah, they so finally get a chance to say something. I mean, I think I shared at the workshop how sometimes, and even in my only in my own family, I have three sons now in their thirties. But sometimes when they all get together, I have to raise my hand, say, you know, mom would like to say something. And I keep saying to them, man, I hope in the workplace you are paying attention and letting women have some, you know, a place at the table and a voice, you know, to be heard. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And by the way, it does work both ways. That yeah. is very often women are not listening because they're rehearsing what they want to say next. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to reassure people. 
people that you can do both at the same time. It's not either or. I yeah, I think and when you play back, I think you had to say things like, um, let me tell you what I heard, or um, is this what I heard you say? Or yeah. are there other prompts that, that you use? Yes, there, there are generally three prompts. One is, I heard you say, and you, you play back the words and phrases that you heard. Mm -hmm. You then say, because I heard you say this, I think I learned this about you. Is that right? And you allow them to confirm, yes, that's right. Or they might say, no, gosh, I'm not like that at all. But it's interesting that that's what you took out of it. And then the third level is because of what I heard you say and because of what I learned about you, this is what we share. Hmm. So this is where we start to build the bridges between us is, yes, I've learned this about you and I've got that as well. You know, I've learned that your grandma was very fierce. Well, so was mine. No, that's excellent. Those are, yeah. Um, in, in this workshop, as, as Kay knows, I was taking, you know, furious notes, fast and furious, um, because I wanted to remember all of that. Um, we learned so much. Well, I always like to ask interviewees, what else should I have asked that my listeners need to know? You know, that you that you would love to share that I didn't think of asking or about wisdom, about things that, again, I would say, you know, becoming a sage, we don't have to be old. There can be young sages, but I would say most of the people in my audience are probably 50 plus usually. Um, what do you think they need to know about getting out of their comfort zones, communicating effectively? Um, what else would you like to share that I didn't ask? Well, one of my favorite things at the moment is what would seven-year-old you have done? I think that for those of us who are older, again, as I've said before, we we leave a lot behind. And what would happen if we brought that seven-year-old back? Did that seven-year-old love to draw or to tell stories? Is it time to bring her back into your life? And by the way, I had a joyful lunch today with a friend of mine's daughter who is five years old. Uh huh. And she and I had the most fun. And I think this is another source Just of wisdom. Just the two of you? Just the two of you? No, there were the parents were there, but we ignored the parents. Okay, okay. We okay. just did it's the five-year-old and the 68-year-old stuff. And there is, for me, great wisdom to be had from cross-generational interaction. Absolutely. And there's also joy to be had, you know, with young Elizabeth at lunch today, I was smiling almost 100% of the time. And we had a great deal of fun. So I think cross-generational interaction was really important. Yeah. I also, this is gonna sound so cheesy, Jan, but it's so true. Finding tiny moments of joy in the day. That this thing about peripheral vision, when I'm walking down the streets, I'm trying to notice not just the things that make me rage, and I do have a lot of rage, but also the things that give me joy, like funny puppies, like your dog, <laughs> yes. and you know, crazy children and sulky teenagers. Sulky teenagers are hilarious. So trying to find tiny moments of joy is very important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of reminds me, there's a book, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's called The Book um, the book of delights. Oh, great. Yes. Yes. 
And I think his name is, I think his last name, I think his last name is Gay, G-A-Y. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, for a year, you know, the book is based on for a year, every day he writes about a delight. And what I like about the word delight and joy versus gratitude is gratitude, I think sometimes can be self-centered. You yes. know, like I'm so grateful this happened to me. I'm so grateful that didn't happen to me. I'm so grateful I have this, you know, I'm so grateful I don't have that. And I think with joy and delight, we're looking outside of ourselves. We're looking, you know, like one example that he used is, you know, watching a grandparents with their grandchild, you know, walk in the park and how much fun they were having together. Well, that has nothing to do with him, but it brought him, you know, he called it a delight. For you, it might be a small moment of joy, you know? And I really like that moments of joy, moments of delight versus gratitude. Um, there's another book I like a lot called um, "Great uh, Living a Great Living a Life of Gratefulness," and she differentiates. It's Christy Nelson of the Grateful Network, and she differentiates between gratefulness and gratitude. Mm. I mean, it might be a small distinction, but grateful living a life of gratefulness kind of gets you looking for moments of joy and delight. I don't know, maybe this is getting too detailed, but um, so anyway, I love that. I love that. I, I love the, the fullness element of that. And yes. I was going to go on to say as well that it's not just about getting moments of joy because I do also allow myself quite long moments of rage. Okay. Uh, because I'm impatient. You know, as I said, I've, I've lived through uh, segregation I've lived through, you know, finally getting equality for women, and we're still not there, as you know. Mm -hmm. So I do allow myself what I'm now going to call ragefulness, which is I'm going to I allow myself to be angry because it's justifiable rage, mm -hmm. um, and also I've, I'm impatient not only with the world but with myself that I haven't done enough yet, and I still intend to do more to bring about greater equality in the world. And I can't do that unless I allow myself ragefulness. That is wisdom. That is wisdom because I'm involved in a faith-based social justice group. So we work on issues there, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're not a political group, but every issue important to people tends to be political, whether it's clean water, clean air, environmental issues, you know, and um, and it's an active activism, you know, group, very active. And um, you know, that is uh, that's wisdom because if you're not angry, it's easy to sit on the couch and watch TV, you know. Yeah. But we want to do something about it. We and which my book is about legacy. Yes. So uh, my book that's coming out is about legacy. So you know, what difference do we want to make? Because we're yeah. all making a difference. What difference is it? And what difference do we want to make? And I love that very much. Okay, we could talk forever. So we could, Jen, I'd love we'll to do talk. Maybe we'll do a part two, but this has been a great conversation. And my focus is always on helping people make the rest of life the best of life. So may the rest be the best for you. And I hope our paths cross either in London, in Baja, or in Santa Fe, where MEA is opening a new campus. 
Absolutely. I can't wait to welcome you to London, Jan, and show you the best restaurants in town. I'd love that. Thank you. Thank you. That was really great.